Well, good morning, everybody. Before we, uh, by, by the way, again, I just want to piggyback on what Drew said. Just welcome. If you're somebody from out of town and you're with us this week, which is a few of you, we're just thankful that you're here and a part of this body, especially in light of the message today. It's, it's uh, thinking, hopefully will resonate, especially with you outside the, the valley and, and even more so with us in the valley. But before I start, I just have to share with you this thing that it's, it's amazing uh, that God is doing. Uh, and I'm going to try to put this into a one-minute nutshell. Uh, so I come from a really big church, really big church, and it's really businessy and things like that. So when we started looking, uh, when we hired Drew to, in, to start working to look for interns to lead our kids, which we've had about five interns so far, but we want to have four at the same time. I'm like, Drew, I need to know how many applications we need to have brought in to get one good application for an 18-month graduated from college intern in order for us to hire someone, right? Do we need 10 good applications to get one? So how do we get 10 applications? Do we have to go here, here? I'm, I'm like barraging him with this, like every time we meet. And one of the things Drew has taught me is like, we, we need to watch God show up. And it's true, because right now we have, I think, uh, I don't know, Drew, are you in here? There are at least four men, all graduates, all great candidates to be interns. Like right now, all of a sudden in the last couple of months. And then three women, I think, three or, three or four women. Uh, I mean, now we're choosing from them, you know. God's just showing up in amazing ways, because y'all, when I look at these little babies that just came into our family, we have got to provide leadership for them. We've got to provide a place for them to grow all the way up, you know? And we're the ones that have the resources to make that happen. And, and they don't know yet. And when they're in fifth grade, they don't know. In seventh and even 12th, they don't know. And we do though. And, and it's just a major priority to me. I'm super excited about it. I just want to share with you. God's just showing up. So we didn't need all those metrics. Sorry for pressing you so hard, Drew. Um, <laughs> like... <laughs> Small church is pretty awesome. Uh, so uh, we're in the series on Galatians. We're right up to the end of it. And we've been, sh- we've been seeing how Paul is showing us the gospel a whole bunch of different ways. And all, the whole way up until now, about 80% of this letter to the Galatians, Paul has been talking to them, uh, showing them these different angles of, of the gospel. And the main thing he's trying to say is, we don't earn it. You're being told you have to earn it, but you don't earn a good relationship with God. It's given to you by the work of Christ. You can't, you can't add yourself and the things that you do to what Jesus did to make you better. So this is the message, 80% of the book. Right at the end of the book, he turns into this a little bit of a different thought, and he says, okay, uh, now what happens when you're in a relationship with God, when you're walking with the Spirit, what happens is that something blooms in you called the fruit of the Spirit. These character qualities, these deep-rooted things that come out of you, that grow from you because you are grafted into the body of Christ. So him living through you produces these incredible things that not only are great for your own life, but they're great for other people too. So this fruit of the Spirit comes at the same time he lays against that this list. This is what it looks like when we're following the destructive nature that is just within us. We just can't help it. And he, and he puts that out there too. These are the things we do, anger and lust and um, 
dissension and, and basically meanness, greed, everything you can think. And, and, and those things destroy and break down relationships and ruin them. But this other side builds up relationship, ours with, with ourselves, with our friends, and with God. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Did I leave one out? Anyway, um, check me on that. It's, it's some, I got close. Uh, <laughs> the gift of the fruit of memory I have has fallen off my tree. <clears throat> Where am I? Oh, I guess. <laughs> uh, so right at the end of the letter, uh, we're now just right at the very back. He, he turns the corner once again to just one last thing that he wants to say that's very applicable to people who are in the family of Christ. And so I, I have to say, this is one of those messages today that's really two people who are believers. And if you're a believer, it doesn't matter where you live. We're in the family of Christ and we're together today. So uh, in, here's... Uh, here's what he says. This is Galatians 6, 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is the heart of what we're going to talk about today. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So here's the question that we want to ask. How do we bear the burdens of one another? And how does that fulfill the law of Christ? So hopefully we're going to Un- unfold that and understand what that means just a little bit better today. So what I want to do is, is ask you to read with me uh, verse 1 and 2 together. Brothers, if anyone is caught, is stuck in a transgression, you who are spiritual should re- restore him or her in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So what's the law of Christ and what, are these, what does bearing burdens have to do with it? So I want to give you three points that we're going to walk through. Uh, one is summary words, and you'll understand what I mean by that in just a moment. And relieved burdens, summary words and relieved burdens. And the last one is unexpected results. Summary words, relieved burdens and unexpected results. So let's talk about summary words. And the reason that I say that is that this passage, this this thing where Paul says this is the law of Christ that you're fulfilling, it directly relates back to some of Jesus' last words, his summary words of ministry, which uh, appropriately come from the Last Supper, which is something we're celebrating and remembering this week. This is really important to us as believers even this week. It's John 13, so you might want to turn there. And, and 13 is a, John 13 is a place you might want to be meditating during the week. It's amazing what's in that passage. Just that whole chapter. Check it out. But look at verse 34. It says, A new commandment I give you. It's talking to these disciples that are with him. That you love one another just as I have loved you. You are Just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. A new commandment I give to you. This is the law that Paul is referring to. Now, the whole book of Galatians, Paul's been saying there isn't law. You don't have to do certain things to please me. This is to please God. This is law that is the result. It's the inevitable result of knowing Jesus. 
then what happens is this. Does that make sense? I'm not doing this. I'm not loving others so that I'm in his good graces, so that I'm walking with the Spirit, so I know, know God and I'm, I'm a better person. No, no. When I know Jesus, the inevitable result is that I become like this. I begin to love others as he loved us and loved them. So this is not actually a new law. Jesus sa- says it's new, and I'll tell you why I think he does in just a minute. This was something that was given to the Jewish people back in way back from the beginning. Love your neighbor as yourself. You remember that? So it's not new. When Jesus says this, love, love one another, that's not necessarily new. I think what's new is he says, love them like I loved you. Because something significant in the way he loves us and loved them is going to happen this week and for them this day, the next day, right? Look at, um, let's look at all above at John 13. Look at verse 3. This is how Jesus practically showed them his love. 13.3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and he was going back to God, he rose from supper, laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel, tied it around his waist, poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was, around, that was wrapped around him. I think it's pretty amazing to, to look at the steps that John records about what Jesus does right here. Because when you visualize it, it, it comes alive in a different way, and he wants to give us those details. They're in this conversation, and it says, Jesus, knowing the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. Jesus had to know all of that stuff in order to get up and do something so humbling. You ever think about that? There's a, there's a preface to this serving thing that he does. He had to know all, all of that information had to be in his head and his heart to actually take this step of service for these guys, just to love them, just to show them love. Y'all, if Jesus has to know that stuff, that's important for us to know too, if we're going to love like he loved us. I'm, I'm thankful that, that John gave us that insight to what's going on in Jesus' mind and heart. He rose from supper. So the conversation's going on. Just picture yourself at dinner. This is a normal, this is a Passover meal, but they're having this big, lively conversation. He gets up. Certainly the, the guys around the table are looking around, wondering what's going on. He lays aside his garment. So he takes off this robe that he's wearing. Or the, when, I think, when I think of a robe, I mean, I'm thinking like bathrobe, you know. <laughs> it's not like that, right? It's this different, it's a garment. And he takes it, he lays it aside. And so he, and he takes this towel and they're wondering what is going on, right? You would be wondering at, at your table, what's happening? And he wraps this towel around his waist. And so at this time, you know, there must be some, you know, they're wondering, What's, what's this, what's coming next? What's going to happen? And then Jesus pours, all this is in here, pours water into a basin, takes the basin, goes over to one of the disciples and kneels down because he has to get that close to, and starts washing this guy's feet, okay? And what's, what's interesting in the detail is that he uses the towel that's wrapped around him to, to wipe the feet off, Right? So he's, he's got to be really close to this guy's feet, right? You can't, you can't do that without being that close. So there is this 
dramatic, even degrading thing that Jesus is doing. He's taking a step that would never be taken by the, the person of honor at a meal. It would just, that's not how it worked then. He, he completely humbles himself. Uh, this, this thing that Jesus is doing, I think is, he, he doesn't have to do it, right? It's not a, like one of them was in danger or there was some thing that had to be done, right? He's, he's just showing them love, right, by doing this. It's an act of love. One of the things that, that we really have to keep in mind is that these guys that he's serving, that he's washing the feet of, these are people. And what do we know about people? People are messy. People aren't doing what you want them to do. People aren't always trying to please you. These guys are not understanding the, the, the moment, and they're really not going to understand pretty soon. But Jesus does this thing. And if you've ever been done a thing where you've washed somebody's feet, I've only done it once or twice in my life, but it's a very gentle thing that you're doing, right? You do, it's not rough. And when you're drying off this person's feet, it's a very gentle thing that you're doing. Remember, that's one of the fruits of the Spirit. And it's, it's this thing that Jesus is doing to show these people this love. He's, he's acting in hum, unbelievable humility and gentleness that took the knowledge of his relationship with God and his future with God to actually do. But with those actions, he sets the tone for followers of him. He sets the tone. I, I don't think that, I don't even know if they make these anymore, but there's a thing called a tuning fork. They still make those because I know there's digital tuning forks now. So um, welcome to the 70s. And, uh, you know, so I use a tuning fork with my guitar forever, you know, and you hit it on your knee, put it on the guitar, and it, it gives, every time it gives an A, a perfect A, and it hums out from the guitar, right? And then you tune that A string to get just right. And everybody else is tuned to that same thing. This is the ultimate tuning fork event right here. Ding. Tune to this. If we're believers, Jesus is talking to these people who are his followers, then we're going to tune to this kind of life. This is the thing that flows out of knowing Jesus. These are his summary words. His life crushed into a few words is love one another as I have loved you. So that's that idea of the, this, this summary that Jesus is saying that is the law that Paul is referring to. But Paul tells us, here's a way to do it. Bear one another's burdens. So th- this is this idea of, being, of relieving burdens. So, uh, when you bear something, if I go to Ainsley and I take something that's a weight on Ainsley, I take it off her shoulders. I bear her burden. I relieve her of that. Does that make sense? That's, that's what's being said in this right here. Look at uh, Galatians 6. We're going to go to, let's get to one and two. I just want to read it again. It's powerful. Brothers, if anyone's caught in transgression, if you are, you are spiritual, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch over yourself, lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. Now, this passage is one of those very rich, deep things that you could just keep going and going. And, and so I've pulled out just a few things for us to understand about what it means to relieve the burdens of others who are following Christ. Uh, before I do, let me 
give you a quick illustration. Uh, many of you, if I say, hey, think about a backpacking experience that you've had. Im- immediately, uh, some of you more freshly than others, something <laughs> will come into your mind that you've experienced on, you know, say a week in the woods. It may be a vista that you were just blown away by. It could be like freezing all night in a wet sleeping bag. It could be for the first time loving oatmeal. Um, it could be, you know, that amazing, you know, cup of coffee that just was, you know, an incredible experience. Uh, whatever that is, just time with God, just the, the silence and the solitude and the sounds of the wilderness. I know those things, when I talk, think about a backpacking trip, those things flood up in my mind. Back uh, earlier in my life, I owned a, uh, an outfitting company and we would take people, usually, you know, 10 or so folks on week-long trips in the wilderness. And so we would often take people who had never been in the wilderness um, or thought they would be really great in the wilderness and maybe weren't going to be great. Uh, and so when we would, we would get there and they would have their gear and their new boots and all of that stuff. And some of the things that happened to them probably happened to you. You know, the blisters, the, the suffering, the belt that is killing you. Um, and uh, one of the things that we always did in preparation for those trips, right before the trip, is we would, we would give people the material that they needed to carry based on their weight, what they could handle. And usually that's about 25% of body weight is what we would go with. And that usually got all the stuff taken care of. But for some of the stronger people, often we'd leave a gap because there's a really good chance that they're going to need to carry somebody else's stuff. The thing is, you never know who the stronger person is going to be. So you're just making guesses because sometimes the strongest appearing person is not that at all. It's the smallest person. It's the person who seems they seem like they've been sitting behind a desk for a long time and they still rise to the occasion. You never know who is going to be the strong one. And so when we'd leave room, when something would happen, someone would be injured or so tired or have altitude problems or whatever it might be, then their pack could be gradually relieved so that they could stay in the group. And I think that ties in pretty well with what we're talking about today in that as a body of believers, as people are following Christ, we're going somewhere together. This is the thing, y'all. If we just are showing up at church, wherever you show up at church, wherever your church is, if we're just showing up, we're not going anywhere. We need to show up to go somewhere, to be a part of what's happening. We're all doing something together for Christ. And in this case, we're specifically talking about relieving burdens together so that we're walking well together in the direction that we're going. And you can be a second homeowner, a guest here. You can relieve burdens of believers that are here. I I promise you, there are people in this room that are doing that right now. And likewise, locals, uh, all the way around. But what I want to do is drill down just for a minute on this idea of what it means to relieve burdens or to carry another's burden. Uh, In the first one is something that Paul says, uh, maybe second or third. If you notice right in the middle of that, towards the end of one, he says, keep watch over yourself, lest you too be tempted. And a little bit later, he says, don't think you're something. You might be nothing. In other words, don't judge. Don't judge each other. Because we are all susceptible. We are all vulnerable. In fact, most of us are just hiding what we're not sharing. Right? 
the struggle that we're going through with our faith or the anger that we have or the, the frustration that we have in some relation or whatever it is that is that thing that we're doing that's destructive. We need to be careful to watch ourselves and never think that we're too special to be the one on the side of the trail. But he uses this word that's really important. He says, what we're going to do is restore. We're going to restore this person. And that's a pretty robust word. And I want to hit a couple things about it. Uh, When we restore someone, when we bring someone who's struggling who's been transparent enough with us that we know what's going on with them or we've seen it in their lives, when we restore someone and bring them uh, along with us and share life with them despite the struggle that they're going through, we need to be prepared for a cost. There's a, whenever you restore, there's a cost. It doesn't just happen. You have to pay for it. You have to take the stuff and put it in your pack. You have to carry it with them and walk with them. We walk together. We have to step out of our routine and deal with people and it gets messy. Restoring also means that something good was broken. If something needs to be restored, that means that the thing was broken, right? And almost always that's relationships. Relationships are broken and need to be restored. And that's where we come in. Because restoring uh, at one of its key, in one of its key uh, uh, foundational sort of concepts is that restoring someone requires forgiveness. And all of us, on whichever side of restoring we happen to be on right now, know that forgiveness is a significant challenge. And it often only becomes because we know that we are loved by Christ. He fills us up so that we can forgive. It's not like an act. I'm going to just make it happen. It's one of the beauties of being a believer is that we have him to empower us to give forgiveness. Wow, wow, this hurts, but I forgive. And I'm not going to hold a grudge. A couple more things about restoring. One is that it's gentle. Paul says, do this in a spirit of gentleness. We don't manhandle people who are struggling, but we gently bring them back in and give them a a welcome embrace. But there's one thing about this that's important, and that's that uh, in other places in the scripture, we see that there are boundaries that need to be set where just because we are restoring and encouraging people to come along, we don't empower and enable any kind of behavior because that's destructive to the whole. Okay, so just some ideas around restoration that are really important for us. But here is something that's really key, I think, to the church. When we bear another's burdens, what it means is that we have uh, transparency amongst ourselves that allows us to actually help people along instead of waiting until people are off the back, right? To be able to do this, to do what Paul's talking about, it means that we have good interdependent friendships where we know each other and care about each other so that we can come alongside each other and create a fabric instead of tear. Does that make sense? This is a problem with the church when we just show up. And that's why we have this value here that we go together. We go together. 
If you're wondering, we go together. Age groups, um, demographic groups, regional, like if you live whatever part of town, whatever part of this country you live in, we go together in this church. But we have to have those kind of relationships to be close enough to know that there's something wrong. To care enough that they're, to know and to reach out and to engage with somebody. When you're on a hike and somebody's fading and they're stumbling and they can't do it, you know. You can, you can see in their eyes. You know what's happening. Or they're way back there. Or they just sit down or fall over. I've seen that, um, unfortunately. Uh, and so you begin the process of encouraging them. Now, here's my natural tendency. What? You are messing up my thing. Okay, so all of you, you don't have to raise your hands, but all of you who are like me are like, we're going here and we're going to get over this pass or in this church or we're doing this thing and you're messing this up. I'm tired of you. Can you stop that? I heard something that you said that just offended my friends at the coffee shop or the, on a bike ride or whatever. It, why did you do that? It's really, you know, because of your selfishness, you did that. And I just want to write people off like that because I'm saying, why can't you be? No, no, that is absolutely wrong. Did you see what Jesus, how Jesus handled that with these guys who are going to betray him and do the dumbest things ever, you know, right in, in a matter of hours, right? Instead, we're, we're bringing people along and when, when they fall down on the side and hopefully before we gather around with love and compassion. So it requires relationships to do that. And, and I'm just challenging you. We've got to know each other. We've got to engage with each other if we're actually going to be in a community that does this thing. A couple more thoughts. Uh, so this relieving burdens, metaphorically, can be, can be looked at like relieving what's in someone's pack and carrying, carrying the burden of that yourself to help them stay a part of what's going on. And then finally, there is this thing, which I think is just amazing. It, it's the unexpected results of bearing another's burdens, of loving like Jesus loved us. Uh, Jesus says something I think is completely unexpected. Look at uh, 13, John 13 again, we're right there, 34 and 35. I give you this new commandment that you love one another. And so Paul says, do this by bearing one another's burdens. This is fulfilling the law of Christ. Just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. Okay, here's the thing. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. When you love each other like this, when you bear one another's burdens, people will know that you're one of my followers. So if that's true, The hard thing is, why is that not happening? Why, is, why are other people not seeing Christ in us enough to know that it is him because we're loving one another? Why, is that, why does that bring a bit of guilt to me? But the other thing is, what if people saw that in such a way, that love for one another that actually inspired them to see Jesus in us, to know that we are his followers because of the love that we share for each other? Because of that restoring, that bringing alongside, that caring for, that bearing one another's burdens. Could it be that this church could actually have that kind of impact? Because we cared about each other and knew each other that well that actually people said, 
She must, he must follow Jesus. That would be powerful. But it requires these other things to happen, knowing Jesus and walking with him and then being in community in such a way that that actually happens. If we're going to be heat and light in our town, in our communities, it starts not with being right and saying the right things and being dressed right and being somewhere at a certain time and you know, reading your Bible just enough. It starts with bearing each other's burdens. And sometimes we, we sort of think, well, if I go to church, then I've done, I follow Jesus this week. It's different. What he's talking about is different. So uh, I think the bottom line is we need to become better friends and be prepared to restore our friends who are, start, are struggling as we walk along beside them by bearing their burdens. And by doing that, people will know that we follow Jesus. That's the unexpected result. You wouldn't think that going back and helping the person and bringing them in and caring for them and walking with them would actually have an outward impact. But Jesus says that it does. And and I'll just close with this thought. Um, This week and next Sunday, we're going to celebrate because Jesus ultimately bared our burden by donating himself for us. He bared our burden. He made it so that we could know God. And so we want to celebrate that. The ultimate example, not just washing feet. That was a, that was a metaphor. This was something that was very uh, eternal that happened just a few hours later. He bared our burdens then to the cross. Let me pray and we'll be out. God, we, we are thankful that you sent your son and that because he knew that he was of you, from you, Your son, he knew where he was going. He was able to not only um, humbly wash the feet of his friends and and serve them, but he was able to go to the cross and bear our burden. God, when we didn't ask him to, as my friend said this morning, he was the king that we didn't want. Um, But nevertheless, regardless of that, he still went to the cross for us. And so I I pray, Father, that we'd be aware of that this week. Those truths and that idea of the community that we can have impacting our whole world, Lord, is, uh, um, just resonates deeply within us, regardless of whether we live here or not. So uh, thank you for a beautiful, beautiful day, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all have a great